0: Hey everyone, welcome to Cowboy Up, the Oklahoma State baseball podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Cowboys' very first opponent of the season, the Sam Houston State University Bearcats. We're going to talk a little bit about the preseason projections for the Cowboys and why I really do think that most of them have missed the mark, and then we're going to do a quick roster breakdown of the Cowboys going into the season position by position. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode for today, so let's cowboy up. The 1-1. One, one. There's a drive to the left, forget about it, goodbye, way gone into the South Carolina Knights. Home run, Connor Costello. Oh, I got a hanging breaking ball out over the plate and knocked out the window on our rent a car. The stretch. The pitch. As it's drive to left field and deep. Going back as Roman still going back, 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 back. And goodbye! God! Grand slam, Corey Hassel. Now, right there. elevated out over the plate. Get the barrel to it. Stand tall and. Let her eat, big dog. Widener with the stretch. And the pitch. That was hit deep to left field, going, going, and goodbye, way gone. Three-run home run, caught at the road. The Cowboys lead it five to nothing. Pitch, swing, and a miss. Strike three. once again for the Cowboys. Yeah, all started on the mountain. Got a big-time quality start today by Brett Stanley. Turn it over to Basso. Huge double play left on left of getting a great hitter in Darius Hill in a 3-1 to game. And then right there at probably a little bit on fumes. Throws that ugly one up there and gets the strikeout. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Tyler Scott, and I'm going to be Uh, bringing you this episode of Cowboy Up today. Uh, Today, like what we had said earlier, going to be talking uh, first about the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Uh, As we all know, we're going to open up with a three-game set down there in Huntsville, Texas. Just a heads up, the uh, weather forecast really does look like that Friday... I'm not really sure that baseball is going to be played on Friday. It doesn't look like it's going to get above 40 down there in Huntsville, but Saturday and Sunday does look like it's going to be good baseball weather for the guys, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if the two teams decide to play a doubleheader on Saturday with uh, one single game on Sunday before the Cowboys head back to Stillwater and get ready to open O'Brate Stadium. Um, But we'll have to see. They might end up playing on Friday still. I believe that that very first game is scheduled to be on ESPN Plus, so just a heads up there. Um, But talking a little bit about the Bearcats, let's go ahead and jump right on in this. Uh, This is a program that is really under the radar. They have really experienced some strong success over the last several years, especially the last decade. Uh, Let's see, just looking at... uh, their programs history since uh, twenty twelve. They've made the NCAA tournament one, two, three, four, five different times since twenty twelve. Um what a lot of people don't realize is the guy that really got them going was David Pierce. Um David Pierce was their coach before he uh decided to go ahead and leave for I believe it was Tulane was where he coached next before obviously landing the uh big job <laughs> with the Texas Longhorns where obviously the expectations are going to be a little bit higher for him. And of course, you know, David Pierce, so far, he appears to be doing a pretty solid job for Texas. Took them to Omaha in 2018, when really that team probably across the board did not really have Omaha talent. Uh, But they gutted it out. Uh, They got a really good draw um, with uh, who they had to play in their Super Regional that year. Um, But, of course, 2019 was an absolute nightmare for David Pierce and the Longhorns. Um, But back to Sam Houston State, so uh, David Pierce really got this thing started off. And then in 2015, when he left for Tulane, uh, the the guy who ended up taking over the program was Matt Deggs. Now, Matt Deggs is the one who landed the job recently for uh, Louisiana Lafayette. He's a very good coach as well, so he kept the ball rolling. And uh, I believe that he left after either the 2017 or 2018 season. I can't remember which one. Now, in 2017, the Bearcats not only made the NCAA tournament, but they actually won the Lubbock Regional. They beat out Texas Tech as well as Arizona in their regional in 2017. So they advanced all the way to a Super Regional for a program uh, like theirs. That is a huge accomplishment. Um, 2018 and 2019, they weren't quite able to uh, win their conference tournament and sneak into the NCAA tournament. But uh, once again, this is a program that, uh, to be honest with you guys, they fly under the radar. They always put a good product out on the field. They're very, they appear to be very well coached. Uh, the guy who took over the program <clears throat> whenever Matt Deggs left is Jay Sirianni. And I believe he was the pitching coach under Deggs uh, for that time. So Jay Sirianni, they decided to go ahead and go in-house with their next coach. And uh, really the last couple of years under Sirianni, they've still had some very high-profile wins. Um, Going back to 2019, uh, they were able to knock off teams like Louisiana Lafayette, uh, Baylor, they were able to win a game against them. Uh, Rice, which I know that Rice has been down a little bit recently. One thing that popped out to me in 2019 was that they actually took two of three from UConn. And of course, we all know that in 2019 in the Oklahoma City Regional, we struggled with UConn. We really did. Uh, We split with them in those final two games. We were able to knock them off in the regional final three to one. And uh, that was a very, very tight game. We were all sweating bullets throughout that one. But the Cowboys pulled it out. Um, But yeah, back in 2019 in the regular season, Sam Houston State uh, was able to take out UConn two out of three games. So this is a program that it's the type of program that Holiday likes to schedule uh, early in the season. It's not going to garner a lot of attention nationally if we go down there and take two out of three or all three games. But it is the type of team that's going to give us a huge challenge. They play the right way, they're fundamentally sound, and they have good talent across the board. Now, talking about their talent, they do have one player in particular that our pitching staff is going to have to be very, very careful against. His name is Colton Cowser. Colton Kowser is projected preseason player of the year in the Southland Conference, and I forgot to mention this, Sam Houston State is actually picked to win the Southland Conference, so we know that uh, the the projections, everybody looking at them nationally, they are expected to win the Southland Conference. They're the best team in that league coming into the year. Colton Cowser, though, he is popping up on all of the Major League Baseball draft boards. Uh, for 2021, he's projected to go 14th. Uh, he is Actually, the 14th rated collegiate prospect for the 2021 season. I saw a different publication uh, that I think was actually from MLB themselves, where he was projected as the 13th best prospect for the 2021 draft out of anyone, and that includes high schoolers and JUCO as well. So this guy is popping up all over the place. It really does look like he's going to be a first round draft pick unless something happens. He's a left-handed hitter. He's an outfielder. He's got a strong all-around game, and this guy just flat-out hits. So the Cowboy pitching staff is going to have to be very careful with him. Um, really good test early on in the season, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens whenever he squares off against guys like uh, Parker Scott, Bryce Osmond, uh, possibly Justin Campbell or Justin Robleski. Uh, it'll be exciting to watch. So keep an eye on Colton Cowser, really great player for Sam Houston State. So moving on from talking about Sam Houston State, let's go ahead and focus on the Cowboys just a little bit going into this season. Most of the projections that I have seen for the Cowboys has them finishing either fourth or fifth in the Big 12. And considering that we are returning a really nice core from the 2019 team, um, I'm not really sure that that's fair. I'm not really sure that that's accurate, to be honest with you guys. Um, most of the projections that I have seen is, is obviously they've got Texas Tech to pick to, to win the league. And I'll be honest with you guys, I'm not going to pick against Texas Tech unless they give me a reason to. Uh, Texas Tech is on a roll. Um, I'll be honest, the way that I see things, if there is any head coach out there in the college game today who is similar to Gary Ward, it would be Tadlock down in Lubbock. Uh, the guy has their program flat out rolling. So they've, they've earned that. They've earned the right uh, to be picked preseason first in the Big 12. Um, And and to be honest with you, uh, I think this is probably going to be another season where Texas Tech is a national title contender. But all of these projections from the big-time national guys like D1Baseball.com, Baseball America, Collegiate Baseball Newspaper, all of those, um, they've got Texas and TCU, and some of them even have West Virginia, landing ahead of Oklahoma State University. And to be honest with you, the way that I see that is that, yeah, you can base a lot of your projections on talent, and that's fine. But you should also be basing projections off of if you have a core returning that has actually accomplished something. And so when you look at the Cowboys roster, you've got Left field, you've got right field, you've got second base, you've got first base, you've got your Saturday starter returning, uh, you've got a utility guy returning who has moved full time to catcher. We've got a decent core there, uh, not to mention a couple of bullpen arms that are experienced. Uh, We've got a decent core there that really played a very solid role in winning the Big 12 tournament in 2019, hosting a regional winning that regional and then taking texas tech on the road all the way down to the wire in a game three and we put ourselves in a situation where we were six outs away from omaha so the way that i see it is this tcu and texas they might have more talent than we do on our roster But you don't have a core of anything that has accomplished anything on those teams whatsoever. Now, Texas, granted, you may have a couple of freshmen who were on that 2018 Omaha team for them, uh, but you don't have big-time contributors returning from that particular team. Um, They had an extremely young team in 2019, and that's fine. They finished dead last in the Big 12. Absolutely no excuse for a team with that type of talent and that type of resources and that type of coaching staff to ever finish uh, last in the Big 12. That's a major disappointment. So just because they have loads and loads of talent coming back for the 2021 season, uh, you know what? You've still got a roster that has that taste in their mouths from finishing dead last in 2019. Now, of course, that might motivate them, but that does not mean that they should be projected to actually do much this year. That's just my opinion. And then, of course, you look at TCU. TCU completely missed the NCAA tournament in 2018, had a really down year. And I would strongly argue in 2019, they were a decent team, but I don't think that they had any business being in the NCAA tournament in 2019. And there were a lot of people at the time that felt that same way. Um, I saw even some of the national people making Some comments about uh, certain people in high places and golf buddies and all of that good stuff when it comes to TCU. They were given a huge favor by being allowed to be in the field of 64 for the 2019 season. They just didn't perform well enough to get there. And, you know, they did play well in the Big 12 tournament, but at the end of the day, they did not even make the Big 12 tournament championship game. So to be honest with you, TCU still, that I know they have loads of arms, very, very talented arms, high-velocity arms that are coming back. I know they've got an experienced roster. Uh, in 2019, uh, their offense really was potent, and so I would expect their offense to be potent again this year. Don't get me wrong, I think that TCU will make some noise But as far as projections go, I think some of that has to be earned with what has happened on the field. And to be honest, you've got some guys returning in the purple that have not accomplished a whole lot. Whereas over in the orange, for for our guys, you've got a lot of guys who played huge roles in winning a championship. Actually, if you count the regional, winning two championships and coming within six outs of going to Omaha. And remember, that Super Regional was on the road. We took Texas Tech to a game three. We were six outs away. And to be honest with you, that Texas Tech team was the better team. There's no doubt about it. That was the better team. We took them right down to the wire. We did exactly what we were supposed to do as the number nine seed. And Texas Tech had no business that year uh, being rated as the number eight seed. Uh, As we know, they went on to Omaha. They wound up being one of the final four teams left in Omaha. So they obviously went beyond those expectations. Texas Tech was just the better team in 2019. So with that being said, we've got a roster full of pieces that it's a really nice mix of talent as well as experience. And so let's go ahead and break down the roster just a little bit here. All right, so we're going to go ahead and start in left field. Left field, uh, I would definitely expect to see most of the innings go to Carson McCusker. Uh, McCusker, it feels like he's been around forever. He has played a huge role in left field for the Cowboys, really from day one. Uh, 2018, he would have had a lot more playing time if it wouldn't have been for a back injury that kept him out early in the season. Uh, but Carson, you know, all he really does is hit at a 300 clip. I really feel like he's uh, primed to break out this year and hit more home runs, hit with a lot more pop. Um, but he's been a solid hitter all the way through. He's a solid defender at 6'8". Uh, obviously, some of his defensive plays that he made in Oklahoma City in 2019 were really big in us being able to, uh, to win that regional and move on to the Super Regional that year. So Carson McCusker um, is obviously, I I think he's definitely going to be the starter in left field. Moving on to center field, you've got Caden Trinkle, who just impressed the absolute heck out of me last season in the shortened season. This is a guy that, he's an athlete that can do it all. Uh, He really doesn't have any weakness to his game, from what I can tell. He can hit at a high clip, he can hit for power, he can run the bases, and he has the potential to be an absolutely elite defensive center fielder. Um, So this is really a guy to keep an eye on. I really feel like this is a guy that he's going to be all Big 12, he's going to compete for a spot as an Uh, All-American. His upside is humongous, and he's a small guy, but my goodness is his upside huge. Uh, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Caden of Polkovich. Um, him and Caden Polkovich, in my opinion, looked very, very similar last year. They're small guys, they're explosive athletes, and they can pack some pop. Uh, you really wouldn't expect that much pop from, to come from guys with that type of build. Uh, but I really feel like this is a guy that he's capable of hitting over 10 home runs, and, and he may surpass that by quite a bit, to be honest with you. So center field, Caden Trinkle. Right field, we've got Cade Cabinus coming back. Cabinus last year in the shortened season really looked like he was beginning to get things figured out. I was so excited for him, and then the season abruptly ended. Uh, To me, it looked like he had finally figured out a two-strike approach that was working for him. He was taking it the other way uh, with two strikes. The game at Arizona State in 2020 uh, was really indicative of what his upside is. Uh, he was responsible for both Cowboy runs that night as we beat Arizona State 2-1. to one. Uh, His very first hit was through the left side, an RBI single, um, which is really something that, like I said, he's improved his game with two strikes, and you can kind of see him now beginning to try to use the whole field, especially with two strikes. Later on in that game, though, against Arizona State, he absolutely launched a, just a mammoth home run to right center field later on in that game to make it two to nothing. And uh, that ball completely cleared the Arizona State bullpen in right center field by a lot. It was just absolutely demolished. So, this is a guy that he is ultra toolsy. From day one, everyone has always said that if he ever puts it all together, Uh, he's going to be kind of the ultimate MLB prospect for an outfielder. Throughout his career at OSU, though, he has struggled to make consistent contact. That's really kind of been the chink in his armor. And so you've got a situation where last year I thought that he was showing some signs of turning the corner. So we'll have to see what we have with Cabanus this upcoming year. But uh, there's no doubt that there's loads of potential there. The experience is there. Holiday absolutely loves his leadership and his work ethic, which you can never put a price tag on that type of thing whenever you're talking about leading a team and setting the example for the younger guys. <clears throat> um, something else about Cabanus uh, that I personally have noticed, his defense is absolutely tremendous. He can really run well for a big guy. He has an absolute rocket for an arm. But one of the things that he'll have to improve going into this year is he has been a little bit prone to, uh, to air mailing throws from right field and allowing extra bases for the other team because of those, uh, those bad throws. So that's something that he'll need to work on controlling this year. But I'm really excited to see uh, where Cabinus is this year. Third base, uh, it looks like is going to be Christian Encarnacion, a junior college transfer. Uh, There was a publication that I saw on Twitter uh, called JBB. They cover Juco Baseball, and uh, they said that Encarnacion was the first ever player for them to be rated a Juco All-American in back-to-back seasons. So his freshman and sophomore years, he was a Juco Baseball All-American, Uh, This guy hits. He hits for power. Holiday has mentioned more than once that he's very impressed with his defense. So I think really Encarnacion could be a sleeper. I know that he was a a highly sought-after Juco recruit, but at the same time, it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of people talking about him right now. He's not garnering a ton of attention, which is probably a good thing really for this entire Oklahoma State team. Um, We know that holidays teams have a little bit of a tendency to start slow. So being a team that's kind of flying underneath the radar, that's probably not a bad thing right now. And I really feel like Encarnacio in at third base is flying under the radar nationally. And I think this is the type of guy that could really come in and wreak some havoc and uh, put up some great numbers and really surprise some people. Over at shortstop, you've got Huey Morrill. <clears throat> and really moral, in my opinion, has the potential to be the best defensive shortstop that we have ever had. Now, I know that there's a lot of you out there who are probably saying, hey, well, what about Donnie Walton? Well, what about Jordy Mercer? What about Monty Ferris, And so on and so forth. I'm sure that we could go on and on and on because this program has had their fair share of tremendous shortstops. But guys... I don't think we've ever had a shortstop that can throw a baseball like Morrill. This guy's arm is tremendous. He has great range. His glove is great. Uh, I really have a feeling that if he stays healthy, we're going to see a show this year. We really are. He made one play against Texas A&M last year down in Frisco that there's a lot of major leaguers that cannot make the play that he made. Um, I'm not sure if the video is out there on the internet world anymore, but my goodness, if I can find it, I'll try to put it on my Twitter account so you guys can see it because it really was one of the best plays I've ever seen from a shortstop at any level. Um, He was so deep in the hole that I'm not really sure that you could even call it the hole anymore. He was pretty much playing third base and uh, was still able to throw out the runner at first. It was absolutely unbelievable. So this guy's defense is worthy of him being in the lineup, but as we know, Morrill can hit. Morrill can hit. He got off to a little bit of a slow start last year, but as the year progressed, it really looked like his bat was beginning to come around. He hit an absolute monster of a home run against St. Louis in, uh, our, I think, the second-to-last game of the season before it was called off. And uh, this guy's potential, again, I know I'm saying that about our entire roster, but his potential is through the roof. But not only that, not just talking about his potential, uh, he is part of a core that's coming back that has already proven that he can get it done. Um, Over on on second base, uh, it looks like the projected starter will probably be Matt Golda. Uh, He is a transfer from the University of Kentucky. He was hitting over 300 at Kentucky before last season was called off. Really, really solid hitter, a solid defender. I think this is a guy that um, he really adds depth to your lineup coming in. He adds experience. This is a guy, again, that I think is totally 100% flying under the radar for a lot of people. Um, I think that when, when he comes in and claims one of those middle infield spots that people are really going to see high quality of play from him in every single area. And uh, Holiday, one of the, the interesting things that I've heard Holiday say already is that both Morrill and Golda are taking reps at shortstop and second base. So I'm not really sure who's going to end up sticking at shortstop and who's going to stick at second base. Um, So we'll have to kind of see how that plays out. It'll be interesting to see the coaching staff play around with that early in the season. But that's just something to kind of keep your eye on. At first base, we have an absolute defensive anchor in Alex Garcia. Uh, His ability to pick balls out of the dirt in 2019 and early in 2020 uh, is absolutely big time for us. He is a very good defensive first baseman. Um, From my understanding, when he first came into the program, he wasn't necessarily that great defensively, but he has absolutely worked his tail off, gotten a lot better, and now he really is a very good defensive first baseman. But not only that, he's a hitter that's going to come in and he's not going to strike out a whole lot. He's going to put the bat on the ball. He's going to make consistent hard contact. Uh, Throughout the entire 2019 season, he proved that that's the type of hitter that he was. He had um, an extremely important home run against UConn in the regional final that helped us tie up that game before McCusker uh, broke loose and, and uh, was able to give us the lead with a two-RBI double in that game. So Garcia, he, he's one that he, he has a little bit of clutch to his game. He was also the one that came up with the walk-off base hit to beat TCU Uh, The morning of the Big 12 championship game, Uh, if you remember, there was a rain delay, so we actually had to play two games that day. We had to knock off TCU in extra innings before beating West Virginia in the 2019 Big 12 tournament championship game, and it was Alex Garcia who came up with the base hit in extra innings to beat TCU, Um, and then later on that day against West Virginia, he had an RBI base hit In that game as well so Garcia is one that again lots and lots of experience and uh, he's just he's got a solid all-around game for a first baseman he's probably not the type of guy that he's going to come on and and hit 20 home runs in a season I do think he's capable of hitting 10 or more home runs but he's really going to be a more contact oriented hitter and uh, trust me, if if we have a whole lineup of guys who are making loud contact consistently, I'll take that type of lineup any day of the week. So Garcia is uh, probably more than likely going to log. <laughs> he may end up logging 99% of the innings this year at first base. Um, and then as we move on to catcher, uh, Brock Mathis I think will probably be the starter there. If you remember him from 2020, he transferred in from LSU. And I remember the very first weekend series of the year in 2020 out in Grand Canyon. Uh, He really struggled. I was a little bit worried about him. He really struggled that weekend. Um, But I really think it came down to just being too amped up or nerves or whatever. Because after that first weekend series, my goodness, the guy just came alive. His bat has huge potential. Uh, this is a guy that he did not hit well at all at LSU, but since he has come to Stillwater and been able to work out with our hitting coaches, uh, obviously our hitting coaches are probably a little bit better than most others. Whenever you've got Matt Holiday and Robin Ventura and Josh Holliday giving you pointers on how to hit, I think anyone's going to improve. But this guy, he was looking fantastic at the plate early in 2020. He has such easy power. He hit a couple of home runs that I just couldn't believe that he was able to generate that type of power from the swing. Uh, His swing is so free and easy. Does not look like he's trying to kill the ball, but my goodness, when he connects, that ball goes. So, this is a guy that he's going to have some big time power. He seems to take good at bats. Defensively, he is an excellent defensive catcher. And. he has improved ever since coming to Stillwater in that area as well. So I think you can look at Brock Mathis as a guy that he's, he's really going to have a nice season. Behind him is going to be Max Hewitt. Obviously, he came to Oklahoma State from JUCO uh, as a middle infielder, but it looks like he has made the full-time shift to catcher. I know that he discussed recently uh, his improvement at catcher uh, coming last summer, whenever he was able to play for the Tulsa Drillers here in the TCL, uh, he mentioned that the help that he got from that coaching staff, especially working with Mickey Tettleton, uh, really improved his game at catcher. So I would expect to see Max Hewitt get a lot of innings at catcher uh, to keep Mathis fresh. You could also see Hewitt end up at DH quite a bit. And of course, you know, in a pinch, he could also play. Uh, second base shortstop and, and third base a little bit as well if he needed to. Um, but we know what we have with Hewitt. He's just solid. His baseball IQ is through the roof. Uh, this is a guy that the catcher position really fits him well. Uh, he is a, extremely smart. He's like an extra coach on the field defensively. Um, he's got a good arm. He really does have a good arm for catcher. Uh, it's very solid. It's an accurate throwing arm. And at the same time, with his, uh, with his approach in the batter's box, this guy, he is an on-base machine. Uh, at the end of last year, early in the season, whenever it was cut short, he was actually hitting over 400. But this is a guy that you keep an eye on his on-base percentage throughout the entire year, and uh, it's going to be impressive from start to finish, I think. He really has a knack for getting on base, and uh, at early last year, it looked like he had added just a little bit of pop to his game as well, hitting more doubles than he usually does. So that was an interesting development. So I would expect Max Hewitt <clears throat> to really be a key contributor this year uh, as he was early on in 2020. So um, moving on to the pitching staff. Obviously, no one's going to know until we go ahead and start this thing, but I would expect Parker Scott to be our Friday night starter to begin the season. Bryce Osmond is probably going to be your your Saturday starter. And then I would expect Justin Robleski to fill in uh, in the back of the rotation on Sundays. Um, but all three of these guys, and I'm not kidding when I say this, all three of them have the potential to be Big 12 Pitcher of the Year. They really do. Now, I know that TCU is sitting over there saying the same thing about their arms. I know that Texas is saying the same thing about their arms, Texas Tech, same thing. Um, but we really do. We've got a rotation that uh, the sky is the absolute limit for all of these guys. I know that Parker Scott, you know, he's, he's going to be the one that has the most experience. He's very crafty. He knows how to pitch. Uh, when you look at his ERA that he put up in Big 12 play for 2019, that was extremely impressive. Bryce Osmond is a guy that really developed uh, with his time in Tulsa, with the Tulsa Drillers and the TCL over the summer. He was absolutely dominant. He was named TCL Pitcher of the Year. And a lot of guys ended up in that league that would have ended up in the Cape Cod League. So you've got a situation where the TCL this last summer really was, for the most part, the best of the best as far as pro prospects in the college game. so Bryce Osmond he ended up being pitcher of the year in the TCL he was dominant every time he took the mound Um, I got to see him pitch once and uh, he went three innings I believe because it was his first start of the season he wasn't really stretched out yet and uh, for three straight innings he didn't miss a spot not even once he did not miss a spot his his fastball and slider combo was absolutely deadly Uh, the entire time that he was in there. Very, very impressive. So I would expect big things from Bryce Osmond. I know that he got off to a slow start last year, but he was a true freshman. That adjustment is very difficult for a lot of guys. And uh, so I would expect big things from Bryce Osmond. And then Justin Robleski, I know that Coach Holiday really gushed over his fall performance this year. Uh, I would expect big things from Justin Robleski. This is a guy that a big left-hander, he's going to bring the heat. He's going to be in the mid-90s, and he's apparently got a hammer of a curveball as well to go with it. So I'm really excited about what this starting rotation uh, will look like. And then when you get get to our bullpen, uh, just like any other team is going to say this year, it's the deepest that it's ever been. Whenever you look at guys like Brett Stanley... Uh, Zach Cable, C.J. Varela. I could go on and on and on with all of those guys. Um, Justin Campbell. Uh, We have a lot of guys who could come in and really be be big-time contributors out of the bullpen. It'll be interesting to see how Coach Walton decides to fill those roles. And so uh, the bullpen will obviously be a humongous strength for this team. I really do believe that. So that'll be it for today's episode. Uh, Something I want to leave you with right now is that I will hope that I can do a breakdown of O'Brate Stadium for the second episode. Um, It does look like I will be able to attend one of those early games at O'Brate Stadium. So I will take a look around and inspect the place and uh, come back to you guys and, and give a full report on uh, just how amazing this brand new stadium is going to be. I'm super excited to see what it's what it's really going to be like. Uh, all, obviously, all we've heard are amazing things, but I'll give you guys a breakdown for episode two. Uh, so be on the lookout for that episode. And uh, I hope that you guys enjoyed the episode today, and hopefully we're able to get a full weekend of baseball in this upcoming weekend. Y'all stay safe and stay warm. And goodbye, God, grand slam.